from the desk below. Welcome back from the desk of low. I have with me a very special guest because before even I got into podcasting, I was watching this guy on YouTube, listening to his podcast on my way to work. Um, without further introduction, because I don't want to hold y'all, I have the one and only one half of Drink Chaps, DJ EFN. What up? And how you doing? How you doing, sir? I'm good, man. How you doing, man? Everything good over there? Oh, yeah. We're doing well over here in Canada, sir. How's the weather down in Miami? Hot as hell. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> you guys get fall down there or no? Do we get what? You guys get... No? No, autumn. Like fall? Oh, um... Not really, man. We really don't get the seasons out here. Um, I mean, we, we, we'll get a little bit of fall, like, it, it'll, 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 it's like a slight bit of a fall, but not, not really, man. Oh, okay. Um, so, DJ EFN, you have a long history within this music industry. Um, I even had some of your Crazy Herd mixtapes when I was in high school. Oh, dope. Um, so I was curious, too, you have, is it true that you really have 42 volumes of, uh, Crazy Herd mixtapes? I mean, I probably have more, to be quite honest with you, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely 42, if not more, because there was a lot of offshoot mixtapes that I did that weren't a part of my regular volume series, and I also had, like, part one and two of, a, of one volume, so it would be like, you know, volume whatever, part one, and, and the same volume, part two, you know? Oh, so it was like, kind of like a saga. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um... The reason why I brought that up, too, because um, you actually got to attend the Mixtape Awards, the Jester Awards. Um, I was wondering if you can give a little bit of experience, because that's something that will never be around ever again. Right. Yeah, man. I mean, rest in peace to Justo, who passed away. Um, he was a big advocate for the Mixtape community. And, you know, a lot. the, the main hub, for hip-hop and for mixtapes, you know, was always, like, you know, in the, in the northeast of the United States, so New York area, New York was really, like, running things, so it was a big deal for someone like Justo to reach out to a, a mixtape DJ out in Miami, Florida, and eventually nominate me, which is kind of funny because I, I ended up winning an award for new mixtape DJ of the year, but I had already been, you know, making mixtapes for years in, in, in the South, so, but I... Nonetheless, I really appreciated it and, and, you know, acknowledgement. And it was just dope, man, to go to a, a venue. And I'm not going to lie, it was hood as shit. Like, you know, it was, it was, it was a mixtape 
Goldberg's like, what do you expect? You know, the, the streets were there, but, yeah. you know, to see, like, legends like K-Slay and Tony Touch and, and all the artists that came out to support the mixtape culture and DJs uh, was really just super dope, and there was a really great vibe in there. I mean, you even had legends like Grandmaster Flash in the building. I mean, it was just, it was yeah. just really dope. <laughs> Yeah, because, like, would you consider that, like, like the street Grammys for mixtapes? Because, man, like, I can only imagine if Justin was still with us to this day, what that would have been. Oh, for sure, man. Like, for example, the, the year I won um, was the year that uh, I think they also gave an award to 50 Cent, and that was when he was on his big, you know, mixtape run, which was a big deal for his career at that point. So I, I think it, it just said a lot you know you know later on what the what those careers turned into of someone like a 50 cent for for that award to have happened and him got an award that year in the same year i got an award it definitely was like like the the ghetto grammys for sure but it, it was like like that award i have that award i you know i always have it up in my office wherever i move and it's a hood looking award it looks actually like a like a boom box type of feel if someone make like if someone made a, a speaker box for their car and they you know, out of the wood, and they put the little carpeting around it and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, that's the vibe the award has, that plaque, because it actually was made handmade. And it's it looks hood as shit, but to me, that's, like, my, my you know, like, my biggest, you know, like, like the award that I, that I really love to, to showcase more than any other award. Well, also, that's a piece of hip-hop history as well. For sure, for sure, man. Um, is it heavy? I just gotta ask. <laughs> Oh, it's it's not light, but yeah, it's a little heavy, man. It's it's, it's funny, man. It's a funny looking award, but it's super dope, man. Okay. Um. So I was curious too. Back in that time too, with the mixtape too, do you have like any of your old mixtapes just like laying around the office and you just pick up from time to time? It's like, damn, I still have this. Oh hell yeah! I have shit. Not only do I have my mixtapes, most of them, if not all of them, and I have the masters for for most of them, if not all of them. I have you know pretty much. Almost everything I've collected over the years from when I was a kid, I have a lot of my old collection of, of cassette tapes and, oh, wow. and, and, you know, vinyl that I had when I was a kid. Not to mention, I still have, like, over 20,000 pieces of vinyl between my my home and my office because I had to spread it out um, once I started having children. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, I, I really i am one of those people that, that, that kept a lot of things and kind of hoarded a lot of this stuff that I felt was a part of, like, hip-hop history, whether it was local history for me in Miami, which I have a lot of stuff that, that I consider that, and then, you know, just stuff that I knew was, was a part of hip-hop history in general. I, I definitely kept a lot of that stuff around, including my mixtapes. Okay. Well, it's good to know that you hold on to things like that because, like, you never know what something may be worth and, like, just to have it. It's like, I'm never selling this because, like, this is, has sentimental values, but the worth on it could be crazy, though. For sure, and I'll tell you what's really gratifying is as of recently, I've been getting people reaching out to me from uh, universities or even from, like, the hip-hop museum that they're trying to build in New York. Or not trying, they're going to build it, they're building it. Um, and, you know, people are reaching out to me and, and they're talking about, you know, preserving my archive and digitizing it and, and, and having me be a part of these things through, through you know, through my archives as well, so... So it makes me feel really good that I kept a lot of this stuff and I feel it is history. 
What do you take on vinyl making a comeback, too? Because I noticed that, um, I've seen an article that uh, vinyl is going to outsell CDs for the first time in like 20 years or something like that, I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's kind of like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, they, it's easy to say that because no, you know, the regular consumer isn't buying uh, physical music anymore. So, of course, vinyl will outsell CDs just naturally because the people who are buying vinyls are like, the collectors and, 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 you know, DJs that might still use vinyl. It just seems more novelty item. And when you have vinyl selling in, like, some of these uh, retail stores, like uh, Urban Outfitters and stuff like that in malls, I could see, you know, vinyl outselling CDs. But, I mean, I think it's dope. It's been, over the years, I've heard that a lot over the years, you know, where vinyl made a comeback and then, you know, it kind of, you know, went away again and then it made a comeback again. I just think... Vinyl will always be here in some shape or form, and, and you know, you can never take away from the experience of listening to music through, through a record player and vinyl. Yeah, because for the people who never listen to an actual vinyl, it has a totally different sound than digital. Yeah, man, it has a different warmth, and, and, and you, 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 you want to hear those little crisps and, and, and clicks from the dust on the vinyl. Like, that's a part of the experience and a part of, of listening to the music. Yeah, that's very true, too. And also, like, some of the vinyls, too, only have songs you can only get on vinyl. I noticed that with the wave of vinyls coming back, too, like, especially with the Griselda movement. Oh, yeah, man. And that, that, that is very reminiscent of back in the days when you would get, you know, vinyl, like, get singles, and you would be able to, you know, either, either be the only person with an instrumental or an extended version or some different kind of version of a track or a B-side. And yeah, they're doing that now as well. And that was also cool with maxi singles on cassette. I don't know if you remember those. Oh yes, sir. I have a bunch of those that had a bunch of stuff that never got released. I mean, it eventually, you know, it got put out into the matrix, but into the you know internet matrix. But back then, you couldn't find that stuff, but just on those maxi singles. Yeah, that's very true. Because like, even like. Um as time went on, too, they even started putting those little maxi singles in, like, certain DVDs. Because I remember with the game, they had that track with uh, Mr. Porter to the wheels fall off. And you can only get that on CD. Yep. Um, so, uh, EFM, you come from college radio, if I have my facts straight. I, I don't necessarily come from college radio. I did it because... When I did college radio, I didn't even attend that university, so I don't feel like <laughs> I can rightfully say I, I come from that. I, I actually come more from pirate radio, okay. um, where I was just basically trying to, you know, spin wherever I could and, and, and you know, wherever. Wherever I would, they would have me, I would spin at, and, and I would have a bunch of pirate radio shows on these different uh, pirate radio stations in Miami, which was, it was a big, we had a big pirate radio culture in Miami, and then... I got a, you know, we had like a famous college radio show called the Hip Hop Shop at University of Miami radio station, and I remember one one year they they were around for several years, and it was like I said, it was it was something that a lot of people knew in Miami, and I had the opportunity, or, or I, I think I deboed my way into that opportunity. I kind of told them like, hey, you know, I'll come in here, I'll bring my turntable because they didn't have like a DJ setup, and I'll yeah. spend you know, every every week or whatever. I forgot how often I did it, but they were like, cool, you, you know, go ahead and do it. And me and my, my crew would roll up there and set up shop and, and take over the show. 
Um, did you ever have to like borrow somebody else's vinyls too while doing shows, or did you always just brought your own? Nah, I always brought my own vinyl. I was the guy always uh, kind of helping other DJs out and, and letting them use my either my equipment or my vinyl. I didn't even let a lot of cats uh, record mixtapes at my crib because you know at one point I you know I I, I couldn't afford turntables or vinyl you know when I was younger. But at a point, there was a point that, that everything, you know, shifted for me. And I, I was lucky to, to be able to have the opportunity. To, I was getting all the vinyl sent to me for free. I was able to, yeah. to get all the equipment. And I wanted to kind of like, you know, give back in a sense. And I had people locally around me that didn't have that same luck or opportunity and, and equipment and vinyl. So, And I thought they had skills and I would let these people, you know, utilize what I had, you know, and kind of share the wealth basically. Did you uh, do interviews back then, or that didn't come till later on? Like interview artists or be interviewed? Oh, just like regular interviews in general. Yeah, no, I, I we, yeah, I, I interviewed a bunch of people. I had uh, actually I was talking about it with my boy yesterday. We had uh, Outcast came through one of my pirate radio shows okay. when they were promoting. Um, yeah, they were promoting what album was it? AT Aliens, actually. Oh, wow. Um, Classic. And they came by there, and we have, I have a cool, couple cool photos from that. And, and we had, you know, we would have, yeah, we definitely have a bunch of artists that would come by because in that era of Miami, uh, especially in the, the era of radio, um, commercial radio didn't play hip-hop or didn't really support hip-hop that much. So the default for the labels when they were doing their promo runs was to hit up the the mixtape DJs and the pirate and college radio DJs, and I was luckily both or all of them, you know. Yeah. So, so I would have these artists come by my shows and do a bunch of stuff for me, and and of course I would always have local artists as well. Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely too. You can't start off big. Yeah. Wow, you got to interview Outcast early on. Wow, that's. Did you did you ever think that? Yeah. Uh, did you ever think like? this would be a part of your daily life, like interviewing like some of the biggest names in hip-hop like later on down the line? Or did you know this was going to happen? Nah, I didn't know it was going to happen at all, man. Like, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't necessarily see myself in this role. To be, to be honest, I was always trying to be the behind-the-scenes person in a lot of ways. Like, that's why I even chose to be a DJ. I kind of wanted to play the back role and just as the supportive role and either manage artists and produce artists and and just be the backing, the backbone to, to artists and, and a movement and a brand. But as time went on, it just, you know, it just evolved where it was like, this just kind of fell on my lap and I either had to decide to do it or not, you know. And it was, I, honestly, even to this day, you know, I just don't, I don't feel like it's my forte per se, but I do feel very comfortable in the role because I feel like it's very important to represent the DJs and the people, the street team guys, and, and all the people behind the scenes to help prop up these these artists and be a voice for those people and, and kind of represent them. Yeah, that's very true too. Um, and, well, and also too, like your personality on Drink Chaps too is like one of a kind too. Like some of the things you say, man, just makes me laugh out loud sometimes. Like, but like, um, <laughs> I, I have a question too. Like, was there ever a time when y'all drinking and you ever had to be like, you know what? I, I'm going to sit out for this one. I'm just going to drink some Canada Dry. I see you guys got the Canada Dry, too. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've 
we've never I've never sat out on a drinking session. That's that's the gift and the curse of drink champs that we really keep it too real and to the detriment of our livers and, and you know, I definitely you know, we, we try to balance our our lifestyle um, and, and health with doing things outside of drink champs to make sure we kind of balance it out for ourselves. But but no, man, I, we've drank every episode that I could think of. You know, maybe there was an episode that I might have been, you know, feeling under the weather because I was coming off of a cold or, or Nori felt some kind of way and we might have, like, drank less. But we always drank no matter what. Okay. Yeah, and um, I always refer to this episode, too, because I swear I watch this episode like once a week just for the hell of it. Um, when Puff dr put everything on the table in that one cup and he drank it, too, I still tell people that to this day and they're like, they don't believe it. I'm like, dude, this video of this. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Jeffrey. He the Jeffrey. Yeah. <laughs> for the people who don't know that movie, I advise everyone to go see Get Up to the Greek. Yeah. Um. So I gotta ask, yeah, did you take right. a drink out of that cup? Did I did I drink out of it? Yeah, like after when he mixed everything together. No, yeah, we all drank out of it. I think we made a, almost everybody around that table take a sip out of it. I mean, I thought honestly, I didn't want to drink out of it. <laughs> to be real honest, I, I was like, this is some nasty shit. But I just felt like it was a moment. You know, we were all just like, fuck it, like. Let's just, you know, let's just be in the moment right now and, and and drink with, you know, this craziness that Puff just put together. And, yeah, I definitely took a sip. It was nothing, you know, it was nothing tasty, I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't imagine. Yeah, he did pass the round. I just bring that up, too, yeah. Um, so there's sometimes, though, when you guys go on for, like, a three-hour interview and things like that, too, like, has there ever been a time when, like, you guys had to cut things out because you guys went for, like, over three hours? Because, like, I noticed with, like, the Petey Crack and Oskino, that was, like, three and a half hours. We never really cut anything out because of length. Um, there might be very few occasions, but there might be a couple occasions we've cut out something very specific because it might, you know someone saw that it incriminated somebody on something yeah uh, or or you know a guest really was like asking us like oh man you know i got drunk and i'm you know i might have said one thing that's bad like bad on my family or something very few times do we have we edited the show because someone asked us to or because of but there is the, there is the exception to the rule where we felt like okay no nah, that's a valid reason but for length we've always kept the length there intact so, and I'll tell you, it's not easy sitting in on a three-hour recording of, of a Drink Champs episode because, you know, your bladder is giving out on you. And I've, <laughs> I've walked off of, there's been episodes where that, you know, where you know how they say that once you, you open up the floodgates, you can't stop. Once I take my first leak, it's done. I got to keep going back. And you'll see me get up a couple times on the table. <laughs> it's like, oh, water broke. <laughs> yeah, man. And, you know. There's been it, it, there's been some that have dragged on so long that I just had to end it. Like I'm like, all right, man, this is over, man. You know? <laughs> We're gonna go on all day. Yeah, we could sometimes. I mean, once Nori gets drunk and we're all kind of tipsy, and there's a lot of you know they're smoking, and I don't smoke, so they're all just chilling there smoking. So uh, you know, it could drag on the whole day for real. Yeah, I was gonna say you brought that up plenty of times that you don't smoke too. Like, have you ever smoked weed before? Yeah, yeah. When I was uh, not a te not a teenager, because I was like really adamant about not smoking because it was the thing to do in, in high school. But yeah, 
when I got like into my early 20s, early to mid 20s, I definitely started smoking a little bit. I wanted to, you know, give it a shot and see if I liked it or not. And I didn't like it. It wasn't my thing. Um, so yeah, I just, I just, I don't smoke. That's just not my thing. <laughs> yeah, everybody has their own things that they like too. Like for example, I don't drink. I smoke. Right. Like I have nothing against people that smoke because I honestly see myself as that old man in the future that might either smoke or just do a lot of edibles. But uh, but yeah, it's not. It's just, it's just it, it, for some reason when I smoke, it kind of takes away my inhibition to do things or work or like it slows me down and, and I and I yeah it just didn't it didn't work for me and also too it affects people different ways too because like man pot like I was down there the other day and they had a co-op pot store right beside it and I'm like man we really are living in 2019 yeah for sure man I mean and look just because I don't smoke doesn't mean I don't see uh, you know the benefits in doing business in that world or or that I have, like I said, I don't have an issue with anybody that does. So, you know, we're definitely pushing the Smoke Champs brand. And I'm, you know, I'm a big part of that. And, you know, I'm part owner of it, obviously. So, so I'm, I'm like, I'm pushing Smoke Champs like I smoke, you know? <laughs> um, I love the name, too, Smoke Champs. It's a good playoff. Um, Thanks. So, so, did you have any favorite episodes that you guys did before the Revolt deal, too? Because, like, watching you guys come up, like, I'm a fan before anything, though. So, like, when I seen, like, the very first episode when you guys did Fat Joe, when you guys tell classic DMX stories and things like that, like, do you have, like, a particular favorite interview that you always, like, damn, I love that one? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two. And the reason I'm going to give you two is because I always say that one of my favorite episodes or my favorite episode was 50 Cent because it was just such a fun episode and, and very unexpected that it would be so much fun. But I say that in every interview and one of my friends is like, man, you always say 50 Cent, you got to start saying another episode. I was like, well, that's my favorite. It's my favorite, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, but, obviously, 50 Cent's the favorite one. Like, you're not going to choose uh, change your opinion because somebody else said so. Right. But I will tell you that, like, the Karis one episode was, was, was another one of my real favorite episodes. That's the father of hip-hop right there. Yeah, man. Yeah, and it was dope to be able to show him that tennis ball that everybody laughed at me for having. But, again, like I said, I'm a hip-hop hoarder in that sense, and that was a piece of history. And I, I thought it was cool to be able to, like, fast-forward, you know, in the future and show it to him, you know? Do you ever get, like, a lot of, like, your vinyl pieces signed by them after you guys finish up the interview or even before? Because, like, you're a fan, obviously, of the music, too. Right. Yeah, you know what, man? I am an asshole for not doing that. I don't do that. Um, I have some friends sometimes that show up that, that, you know, they have a lot of stuff and they get it signed. And for some reason, I don't bring any of my stuff to get signed. I've only had a half, I, I only think maybe one thing signed. I had my, the Two Life Crew cassette tape that I bought oh, wow. back in the days when I was a kid, I had Luke sign it because it was like one of the original, you know, independent pressings of that first Two Life Crew album, and he signed it for me uh, when we did the episode. But other than that, man, I have been a, a fucking asshole <laughs> and not taking advantage. Because I, I don't know, man, I just feel like, like I... I, this is just me being an idiot. Like, I just, part of me is like, ah, I don't, you know, we did the interview, blah, blah. I don't, you know, I just don't want to go further and, 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 you know, bother this guest for more shit. They're going to take a bunch of pictures with everybody there. They're going to do a bunch of stuff. 
And I'm just like, ah, I'm just not going to bother with bringing something and having them sign a bunch of stuff. So I just don't do it. But I should, man. I really should. <laughs> well, also, too, like, this is what I always say, too, because before the internet, the autograph was, like, the thing to have. Now it's, like, a picture or video. So, like, in a kind of way, like, you have, like, full-length conversations on video of these people, too. So, in a way, I think, like, that's way better than having anything signed, too, because you have interactions with them and it's documented. No, no, you're right. And that's part of my, my thought process as well. But but also having that piece of history and it having it signed, I just feel like it, it makes that even more much more valuable, that, that physical item. Even, you know, accompanied with... The video of me doing it, you know, and then having them sign it is kind of cool as well. So I, I think I'm going to try and do some more things, you know, like whatever pieces of items that are real special to me. And if I come across that artist again or that, that guest, I'm going to have them sign it. Someone, a fan brought up a really cool thing that we should do, and I'm, and I'm you know, considering it, which is have the guests and myself and Nori sign a bottle of alcohol that we drank and then kind of like either like auction it off or give it away to like a fan from every episode you know i'm gonna say you know somebody would buy that yeah i mean yeah yeah <laughs> someone would probably buy it but maybe maybe it'd be best to just give it away to, to a fan you know like do some kind of cool giveaway yeah just to like kind of give back to the people but you guys give back with all the free content you guys been giving us hey man you know but you, hey you're right. I, I feel that same way, too. Like, sometimes when we get complaints about drink champs, you know, from people, I'm always like, hey, man, this is free content. You <laughs> can, you can not, just don't support it if you don't like it, you know. But, but you know, I've, I've come to realize our drink champs army that we call our fans and our listeners is that they're really passionate about hip-hop, so they engage in, in the conversations about, you know, and they, they're very honest whether they like something or don't like it about the show. And, and I, you know, I can appreciate that as well. Yeah. Don't, I, I love everything about the show. Like, don't, the only thing I never complained about was the audio. There was nothing wrong with the audio. Right. Oh, yeah, the, yeah sorry, don't. There is something wrong? No, like, when I listen to it, like, on, like on um, iTunes, like, there's, like, it's crystal clear. Yeah. Like, it sounds like I'm in the room. Oh, dope. Okay, perfect. Because, Glad to hear that. because if you hear, like, you know, so, like, sometimes you listen to, like, a radio show, like, over the iPhone app, and it just doesn't sound the same. Like, some podcasts have better audio than the actual radio shows that are sponsored by people. But not to say you guys ain't sponsored, because you guys are worth Revolt. Right, right. Well, Revolt, the audio you listen to actually isn't the audio that Revolt uh, records when they do the TV show. That audio you're listening to is our separate audio recording that's being recorded by uh, Hazardous Sounds, our engineer. Oh, okay. So, so that's why there's like a... Okay, so that makes a lot of sense because like from the actual TV to the audio version too, it's like, okay. See me, I just thought my... Yeah, because we're... So, so you see the mics in front of us on the table? That, those are the road mics. That's what you're listening to. When it's on the television version... They actually mic us up for the, and they are picking up separate audio that's being used for that edit. And, and like, um, have you ever sat down on like one of the editing sessions? Because I noticed like the camera angles too, like they switch throughout the the uh, actual interviews. Um, I don't sit down on the, on the <laughs> edits. I mean, to to be another thing, honestly, man, I don't even go back and watch or listen to any of the episodes. I mean, I've maybe 
a handful I have. Yeah. But I just, my whole thing is, you know, who wants to listen to themselves drunk anyway? So <laughs> if I listen to myself drunk, I might second guess myself in the future. So I just say, you know what? I lived it. I was there, you know, and I see the clips that we post up, obviously, in the photos. But that's enough for me, man. I really don't go back and listen. Yeah, like you don't, yeah, you definitely don't sit down there for the whole three-hour Petey Crack interview and just really listen to it. I couldn't imagine doing that for myself either, so I fully understand. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, EFN2, I won't take up much, most of the time, too. I have two more questions, and I'll let you go. Um, for you okay. having uh, Crazy Hood Productions, too, I was curious if you have any artists signed or if you're still doing that. Yeah, no, Crazy Hood is still the, the, the company, man. Crazy Hood Productions is uh, is my company. We have we still have our, our artists that we've had signed for forever with us, which is Heckler, Garcia, this group called The Alliance, The All. And the, the artists aren't as active as we used to be in our heydays of doing it, but they still record. They still put out content. They, they're, they were on my last album that I released in 2015 called Another Time. Um... So, you know, and, I, and I'm always kind of, like, looking for artists. I'm not a, like, I'm, I kind of left the artist management and producing side of things for a minute because that that's something that you have to invest a lot of time in. Yeah. Um, but, and, you know, I managed, as of recently, I was managing also a group called Made In and signed to Tech Nine to Strange Music. So I was doing that for, for a long time, and I recently stopped managing them, but I'm still, like, a part of, you know, we're all still friends and work together. And, and and stuff like that, but yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Don't don't have any new artists or any artists that are really really currently working a lot. Um, but I am looking for for new artists. But again, I'm I'm like the artist has to blow me away for me to really want to work with them because I just have so much on my plate right now that it takes a lot to a lot of investment, time investment to to work with a new artist and and, and put them out through your label. Well, also too, I understand too that in a lot of times a pat you got like you describe it as a passion project. Yeah, yeah. No, what my my album? Yes, sir. Yeah, another time was a total passion project that I and I'm very proud of that project. And I and you know I just feel like if someone hears that album and they'll they can kind of basically take away everything that encompasses DJ EFN and Crazy O Productions. You know, it's just, it's all, I poured it all into that album. Everything that, that I wanted to represent me is in that album. And I, and I would and I would ask anybody that hasn't heard it to go check it out. Yeah, because because he has a big name. If everywhere from like Trick Daddy to Dead Press to M.O.P. to Sean Price, like the lineup is crazy. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, yeah. Right? And got Premiere, production from Premiere on there. Buck Wild. Yeah, it's nuts, man. Yep. Got, got, got your man, my, my homie, Cardinal, from representing Canada. Yes, sir, Cardinal Official. That's uh, my dog, man. He's one of my favorite MCs, honestly. Oh, wow, really? I never would have guessed Cardinal Official would have been one of your favorite MCs. Wow. He is one of my favorite MCs. I've always been a fan. Like, although I'm, a, you know, I mean, I'm Cuban from Miami, you know, via L.A. I was born in L.A., but in Miami, you know, and still even Cuban, we're Caribbean, so... So reggae and dancehall is a big part of, of our, you know, of our makeup, of our DNA. And, and I actually, my first DJ gig in a club, I got it by playing a reggae set. You know, uh, 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 just just coming out with 45s and playing an ill dancehall set. So that's a big part of me. So I've always been a fan of of the mash 
mashup of you know like the patois in 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 any MC that could do that, like a Busta Rhymes or something like that. Yeah. So when Cardinal came up, he just he you know he does that so artfully, man. Like he's a fucking dope ass lyrical MC, and he could do the patois, you know, stuff. And and I just I've always been a fan, man. And he's it's dope because he's a huge Drink Champs fan. Hasn't been on yet. He he knows I was, it. I was going to say that. <laughs> no, no, he knows it, man. We yeah, he almost was on a, like a couple weeks ago. He was in Miami. But we talk behind the scenes all the time. He hits me up, tells me if, when he's listening to an episode, if something, you know, if he thinks something was dope. And he's just a big fan of Drink Champs. And, and, and in turn, I'm, I'm a huge Drink uh, fan of his. So, yeah, man, he's, you know, love Cardinal, man. And love, love, love the Canadians. He loved Socrates back in the day, you know, doing it. And he was down with, with Redman and them. Like, yeah, I, I love the whole that. Canadian team, man. You know, they, well, and I love how you brought up Cardinal, because most people, when they say Canadian, they say Drake, but you brought up Cardinal. I was like, yeah, I knew D- DJ EF- EFN was a real one. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, DJ uh, EFN, this is uh, the last question I ask all my guests at the end of each episode. Um, the reason why I ask this question is no individual can ever answer this question the same. So, with that being said, okay. do you have any words for somebody in a dark place trying to see the light? In a, in a dark place trying to see the light? Yes, sir. Yeah, I would say that when everything seems that that that's it, that there's just no way out of something, you've you got to really understand that as dark as things seem, there is a corner to turn, you know, and, it's, and, and you never know how close or how far it is, but it's there. And I always tell people, like, don't, you know, you're alive, you're breathing, you have some kind of family member that loves you, you know, you have somebody out there that loves your friend, family or something, and you just never give up, whether it's giving up on goals or giving up on, on just life in general, you know, no matter how bad it seems, I promise that person, whoever's listening, I promise them that there's a better day ahead. And when they get to that better day, they can in turn turn around and help that other person behind them that's feeling the same way they were. Wow, that was a very inspirational answer. I hope somebody takes that advice and runs with it, too. Wow. See, this is the side of EFN you don't see on Drink Champs, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, DJ EFN, um, I appreciate your time, taking time out your busy schedule to do this. Um, I'm still blown away this happened. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug in before I let you go? Not yet, man. Check out, uh, besides Drink Champs, I have another podcast called Fatherhood. Uh, it's Fatherhood's Podcast. You can check us out at Fatherhood's Pod on, on Instagram. And we do a weekly podcast. I'm a, I'm a new father myself. And I got two, two partners, one in New York, one in L.A. And, uh, and they're both, you know, parents, fathers. And we talk about fatherhood. And we have hip-hop guests on there like Bumby, who's a grandfather, or Angie Martinez, who's a mother, and, and Moni Love, and, and different people. We had uh, Black Moon on. This, actually, this week we have Black Moon on. Um, and we talk about parenting from a hip hop perspective, you know, cause we feel that, that, uh, you know, hip hop just, we don't, we don't talk about that side of our lives and, and I feel like it's, you know, we should and, and we try to just walk ourselves through being parents and fathers. Um, and like I said, from a hip hop perspective, so check that out, check out crazyhood.com where you can find everything crazy hood. Uh, uh, Colombian white is an alcohol that I got that I'm a part of. You can you can check that out at buycolumbianwhite.com. Also check out um, Timeline Brewery 
and check out uh, Digging Through the Crates event series coming through to a city near you where you can go and curate vinyl out of crates and give it to the DJ and he'll play the music at the event for you that you've curated out, you know, that you picked out of the crate yourself. So I'm doing a bunch of stuff and I just want a lot of people to check out these different things. All right. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'll definitely be looking out for that Black Moon interview. Shout out to Mr. Blake and 5FT and Evil Eaters, the guys right there. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, with that being said, this is another classic episode from the Desk Low featuring the one and only from Drink Champs, DJ EFN. Um, once again, thank you very much, my guy. I appreciate it. No, thank you for having me, brother. Anytime, sir.